We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it's episode 73, and it's going to be incredible. we got a hardcore episode coming for you this week, as we will be joined by yet another special guest from the professional wrestling world, and this guy, his name is synonymous with hardcore wrestling with the ECW, uh, and he was a legend for a long time. We're very, very excited to be joined by Just Incredible. So, come on up the driveway, open up your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one and join us for Garage Peers. And welcome on in, everybody, to episode 73 of the Garage Beers podcast. It's going to be an extreme and an incredible episode of the Garage Beers podcast. We got a really great special guest. We're going to talk a little bit all-star home run derby, the Cavs, and so much more. Uh, so stick with us. This is a great one. With you, as always, I'm your host, Michael Keefe. You can find me online at Garage Beers. Mike, go find the show online at The Garage Beers. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram, on Facebook. Go follow. If you want to, if you want to follow one of our coolest places, go follow us on YouTube. We post videos of our interviews on YouTube, so you'll be able to see tonight's interview on YouTube. You'll want to watch that. It's great. Uh, TikTok, of course. Follow us all there and follow our network uh, on Belly Up Sports. Uh, we are part of the Belly Up Sports network, so go check them out at Belly Up Sports. So again, with you, I am Mike. With me, as always, over on the east side of Cleveland, sitting outside on a beautiful night here in the land. It's Chad Meyer at Garage Beers. Chad, what up, Chad? Hi! Hi! Gorgeous night, guys. Gorgeous uh, night out here. Just stunning. What uh, now? Uh, what are your names again? Joe, Joe, Wa, Wale, Wale, Walean. Yep. And then <laughs> nailed it. What's happening my, here? My guy, my gal, my gal, my yep, gal. Nailed it. Uh, nailed it. Kife? Why are we yeah, doing this? Guy, uh, because guys. Uh, so there was a thing with Travis uh, Kels. Excuse me. It's Kels now uh, that came out. Uh, today about uh, people have been saying his name wrong this entire time. People keep calling no. him Kelsey and he, and he, people keep calling him Kelsey and he says it rolls with the punches, but his real name's actually Kels. Okay. So, I mean, it's, it's Francisco, not Frankie. It's uh, Tyrod and not Tyrod. I don't know how to say anybody's name anymore, guys. Oh. Like I'm going to have to ask you before the show every day, how I say your name is because I, I want to get it right. I think I'm putting money on the fact that I think Travis Kelsey is trying to play people. 
with that. Oh, okay. Just trolling. Just yeah, totally uh, trolling people. Again, he's he's from Cleveland. He's not he's not much younger. He's you up know, Cleveland. than like, than he's, like not, he's Cleveland Heights. Uh, I've got I've got family from Cleveland Heights, uh, and I have a, one cousin that specifically grew up with Travis Kelsey in Cleveland Heights. Oh, and like that's never been a thing. Oh, like, the, uh, of the Cleveland Kelses. I feel like yeah. I feel like at some point my cousin would have been like, man, everybody says his name wrong. and would have said something, but like he's always been Travis Kelsey. So, well, I mean, he just rolls with the punches. He's been rolling with the punches since high school. I guess maybe his family has <laughs> just said it wrong the whole time, and Travis <laughs> is the one that discovered it. <laughs> Dear God, uh, I don't believe it. Uh, I want Jason Kelsey's word. Uh, he he seems like he'd be the definitive proof on that. All right. Uh, so. See had me uh, yeah, over there me. at Garage Beers Chad. And with us down in Nashville, Tennessee, find him online at Garage Beers Joe. It's Joey Whalen. What's up, Joe? It's going to sound super whiny, but the world is so loud. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I played tourists this weekend because we had some family in town in Nashville. And we went to all the bars and stuff. And like maybe it's because I haven't been to like a bar in like a year and a half. But I was like, couldn't hear a single conversation going on. So loud. I must be like 90. I think I aged 50 years during this pandemic. I also had, uh, (laughs) I I maxed out on rum drinks this weekend. Like I could not have any more rum or sugar or else I think I was going to explode. None of them were garage beers. That was kind of sad. I should have done more garage beers out there. I'm so like, I'm in with you. Like I'm empathizing with you right now on what you said about the bars, because I don't know what it is. I, I feel like different people have different things. If I'm in a crowded place, you could be right in front of me, and I have trouble like focusing on you. I had to stare I, I, at the lips. I had to like try to read yeah. the lips sometimes. There, there'll be times where we're out at dinner or something in like a loud restaurant, and my wife will say something to me. And I'll be like, ah, I can't hear you. Like, yeah. but it's funny because I can hear somebody fifty feet away from me talking. Right. Like in a bar, I hear that more clearly. I don't know what it is with the noise all around. Just whatever. It's weird. So yeah, I feel you, and I. It's that like stress moment. Where somebody looks at you and they're like, what do you think, Joe? And you're like, uh, what? Uh, what? I did not hear anything that you said. Like, not because I was drunk or anything. I just like was literally existing in bars this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> just having a drink with myself. <laughs> I was existing. I was just, there's Joe. What you do this weekend? Well, uh, cleaned up the place a little bit. I existed I at a bar. Existed, yeah. There was, yeah. there was me. There's video yeah. proof of me existing at a bar. Woke up this riveting. morning. I had a good pee. I had a good BM. <laughs> and then I existed in a bar. Hey, listen, that's a good weekend for anybody getting uh, getting our age, Chad. Uh, yeah. Joe, you're getting there, buddy. Uh, yeah, boys, this is great. Uh, uh, if you if you heard the episode last week, uh, we were scheduled to have a special guest on. Uh, and he unfortunately was a bit uh, under the weather last week and couldn't join us. And we are super excited because coming up here in just a little bit, we'll throw it to our interview that we did with uh, wrestling legend ECW. Again, uh, when you say his name, it is synonymous with the ECW. He's one of the biggest stars of the ECW, the classic wrestling uh, promotion, the ECW. Just incredible. Uh, his real name, PJ Polacco, comes on to talk a little wrestling with us, to throw it back. To talk about names like Sabu and Sandman and Tommy Dreamer and the Dudley boys. And we even Spike Dudley got brought up. And that guy, can we talk about that for a second, Chad? Sure. Was anybody ever more abused than Spike Dudley? Nope, not at all. And he loved every single second. And you know, the funny thing is he's like, 
and, and, and some of you never think about it. He's like Harvard educated and he was like an English teacher oh. <laughs> going and doing this at wrestling shows. Dude, <laughs> they used to like an ECW. They used to pick him up and throw him into the crowd. Yeah. And like, you're just one crowd away from them not catching him. And like, right. he just splatters on the floor right. or like, uh, uh, I'll never forget. It was, wasn't it like a Royal rumble or maybe it was just like a, a Royal rumble style match or whatever, but the undertaker yeah. choke slammed him out of the ring <laughs> and he landed out on the floor square on his back. They, oh, I think yeah. he, he did an interview. He said, that's the worst, like the worst bump he ever took. Because oh, sure. the Undertaker just chucked him onto his back down onto the floor. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. that dude was abused. So anyways, Justin Credible comes on. We talk about all the greats. We talk about his time and his development. Then we talk a little bit about wrestling and what's going on in that world today. Uh, but before we get to that interview, well, we, of course, have to start. We're the Garage Beers podcast. We got to start with our Garage Beers of the week. So let's do that. Let's throw it around and let's start with you, Chad. What's your Garage Beer of the week this week? Ah. Just a simple Corona light, fellas. I like simplicity. There's nothing wrong with that. It is. I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing complex about this. It's just a nice Corona light with a lime in it. Uh, again, I mean, you feel like you're on the beach. Before. Yeah, we talked about it before. I'm a huge seasonal beer type guy, and when it's you know 80, 90, and humid out, like uh, you know, uh, wow, it's a little cooler right now, but it's still humid. Yeah, I want something refreshing. And a Corona light is just that for me. So that's my garage beer for tonight. I love it. All right, Joe, what do you got down there in Nashville? I have the opposite of a Corona light. Corona heavy. Corona heavy. Oh, no, wow. uh, I have from Honky Tonk Brewing in Nashville, the, I don't know if we had this before, maybe, Apothecary uh, Double IPA. Ooh, that looks delicious. It's a uh, double dry hopped double IPA. Sounds dark. It's so good. I don't know. It's soft and juicy. Oh, okay. As it says on the can. Uh, it's delicious. Like what it. are you what are you looking at, Mike? Listen, I'm reading something. Are you and, one of these? Are you and, oh yeah, I pulled the glasses down. down. Like you did the you did the old well, man glass drop. Well, these aren't glasses. real glasses. You can't hear the bar. These are the blue light glasses. <laughs> and so like it's great when I'm looking at my computer. It's not great when I'm trying to read something. Like my vision is fine. So I was trying Get to read off something. My lawn. You dickheads. Uh, all right, y'all leave me alone on my glasses, okay? I'm gonna sit like this the rest of the time, and you bastards have nothing to say about I it. Well, all right, really fine. You'll talk down to <laughs> fine. looking down my nose at you, you punks. Well, uh, uh, you just you just gotta tell me how to find a wrinkle in time in the card catalog, please. <laughs> hey, <laughs> quiet. Oh, sorry, okay. I was gonna make a joke about one of those machines, but I don't remember what they're called. Remember the newspaper machines. Oh yeah, yeah. Where, where you like, like, where you like, put a disc in and you slid and like, like had the like the yeah, like you could look at old oh, newspapers God. and they were on like little slides and it was God, we're so old. I don't remember what those were called, but I remember being at the Rocky River Library using those machines for no fucking reason at all, <laughs> oh. other than no. to like, be like, mom, I looked at a newspaper from 1952 for no reason, yeah. for no reason, and nothing even interesting happened. I had to do a book report. <laughs> oh God, remember those? I'm one of those things. Yeah. Uh, all right, so that swings it over to me. Joe's got one from Honky Tonk Brewing. Uh, Chad's going with the simple Corona light. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, boys, uh, there was another uh, treehouse delivery. Oh, nice. There was, a, oh. There was another treehouse delivery. And I, I can't tell you how excited I am because for my regular work, we got together. It was amazing. Uh, I just got home today. We were in Columbus just overnight. 
And my, my wonderful company took us out last night and they took us to a brewery in the Columbus area. I'm not going to say which one it is, but it's not one we've ever had on the show. And the beers were horrendous, just awful. Oh. And I feel bad to say it because the company took us out. We had a great time. It was a cool place. The food was delicious. They didn't make one good beer, not one good beer. This was a place so in Columbus. Yes. So I'm uh, just outside of Columbus. I am very excited to get home to my treehouse delivery because I am in dire need of good beer. And boys, uh, that's what I was reading uh, because I've got one of the best uh, from treehouse. So from treehouse brewery up in Massachusetts, I'm not even going to be able to say this right, but their flagship beer is Julius, but then they make renditions of that. So this is the Julius. So it's oh. like J J J Julius with three S's at the end. And I'll just reflex. This beer, this beer is intensely citrusy when fresh and over the course of a few weeks in the fridge, uh, uh, softens into a supremely well-rounded, Richly fruity, densely hop saturated delight. I know what you need. Son of a bitch, it's good. Oh my god, look need. at that. You need you need the little thing that goes around and like it's like it's like a necklace, so you can put your glasses down and they can hang from your neck. And you know what, boys? This beer was meant to be. I don't get Joe. Okay, okay, Joe, you dick. What? Uh this beer was meant to be. On the bottom of all the treehouse cans, they put little messages down here, just little funny sayings yeah? or, or slogans. Like- Our podcast comes out on Thursday. And guess what the bottom of my beer can says? It says almost Friday. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. It was meant to be. So, right. So Treehouse is back in the house. I've got a fridge full of it and it is delicious and I am poor. So those are our garage beers of the week. Uh, Let us know what yours are this week. Share what you're drinking. Uh, Get over to our, get over to our social media, send us pictures, Send us recommendations. We want to try them. But uh, to you boys here on the podcast, cheers. To you, the listeners out there, cheers. And now it's time to get into episode 73. And listen, boys, we're just going to throw it right in to an awesome interview that we did with the one and only PJ Polacco. You know him as just incredible. All right. And now we are really excited to be joined by yet another special guest uh, and another, uh, our second hardcore wrestling legend on the podcast. I'm really excited about that. Uh, a, a professional wrestling legend uh, burst onto the scene in WWE in the mid nineties before he would turned himself hardcore. Uh, he's been a champion many times was one of the biggest names. Uh, his name literally was synonymous with the ECW. We're really excited. His real name, PJ Polacco, but you know him better as just incredible PJ. Welcome to the garage beers podcast. Glad to be here. Thank you so much. Hey man. Thank you so much for, uh, for jumping on with us. We're really excited. Uh, uh, we go back uh, to our, younger days in wrestling and, and to have you on is awesome. Uh, and so we're excited to throw it back with you. But before we do that, uh, let's talk about some something you got going on right now. So let's bring it current for a minute. Uh, and you've got the credible documentary going on right now. So before we get into the wrestling and, and all that, uh, let's just talk about that. What's the credible documentary all about? It looks like you just kind of wrapped up your shooting recently. Well, we just did. Yeah, it's been a project uh, well over two years uh about halfway through it kind of uh i didn't realize anything about making movies and just kind of got caught between some politics and the funding stopped but uh apparently the the executive producer and the director went to this amazing uh production house in in uh rhode island and they got funding for the remainder of the picture and also editing so uh yeah it's it's gonna be a go and uh, by the looks of things it'll be on hulu at the beginning of next year 
so that's what uh, that's what we got on the line. So yeah, that's awesome. So tell us just a little bit about it. What's what's uh, what's it's the story? Just, it's really just a very uh, organic story of you know me, uh, a wrestler. I'm 47 years old. Uh, my career has kind of seen its best days. Uh, still kind of struggling with. Uh, all types of things in life, depression, uh, substance abuse, and trying to kind of navigate my life uh, in the reality that my wrestling days are kind of closing um, and kind of just, you know, walking through a day in the, well, days of years in the life of, of that journey. And uh, it was definitely a unique, cool experience. I can't wait till it's out there. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Congratulations on it. Uh, we're, I'm, I'm super excited to watch it. I, and, and it seems like a thing that's going on right now. Uh, one of the things I've been seeing on TV, have you seen the, like the biographies, the old WWE yes. wrestlers? Sean yeah, Michaels yeah, yeah. And, and, and it, it's, you know, your story fits in with so many of the other stories of, uh, you know, like you brought up the, the depression and the substance abuse. And, and is that just a product of just living? I mean, cause it's gotta be just a crazy life as a wrestler and, and, your body yeah. is always in pain and well, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a very strange world. And uh, I started out literally at 19 years old. I was in the WWE at 20. Um, and back then, and you know, in 93, 94, um, you were wrestling a lot. I mean, there were months that I would wrestle 27, 28 days oh. out of the 30. Oh. And uh, wow. the body, that's no exaggeration. One time we did a 30 days straight in uh, Germany on a bus for the WWE. Oh my God. You know, I wrestling every oh. night, different town every night on a bus, you know? Um, but and anyways, that's not natural, right? You're getting uh, home for your home. You're getting to the hotel at two in the morning. You're still a bit wound up from the day's events or the night's events, I should say, you know, adrenaline and stuff. So, you know, at times you have to mask the pain to perform because you're messed up legitimately, you know, and then at, at night you kind of find yourself four in the morning. You can't sleep because you're adrenaline and you just finished eating because all day you were in a building and not every place is catered. So you find some late night food. So you can't go to sleep. You take something to sleep. So it's like, it's this constant. Um, that's why it was so prevalent. Now there are, it's a bit different with less touring and more stringent, you know, just different, just different times. But back then it was the wild West. And, yeah. you know, that, that most of my adult life was lived in that wild West, no excuses, but I thought, you know, like very, very many people do. This is a medicine that's prescribed to me by doctors. You know, they would, they would pop you for marijuana and you'd get fined, but you could take all the Oxycontin oh. Xanax and stuff like Man. that you wanted, you know? So as long as you had a prescription, right, it was legal. Yeah. And a lot now of us back, got into that trap, you know? Yeah. Now back then, like, I mean, you know, you said you started when you were 19, got in the WWE when you're, when you were 20, was that, was that before or after, was that like the, ter in the territory days or did you just miss those? Uh, I just, I caught the last tail end of it. Uh, I wrestled in okay. a couple of small territories in Calgary. I had my first 10 matches. Uh, and then when I came to Connecticut uh, where I live, I couldn't get any work. There weren't as the amount of indies there are today. So I just went to a WWE house show uh, in New Haven and introduced myself. Um, and uh, Tony, Tony Gurria let me hang out in the back. And he was like, look, we're starting a new show called Monday Night Raw. We need some, we need some job. We need some jobbers, some extras. And the more I worked, the more they enjoyed my work. They were looking for new stars. I was young. I could, I could go. I was trained by the heart. So that was familiar to them. They knew I was well-trained. So, you know, Vince liked me from the beginning, you know, in those days, you, you, you know, Vince would get to see you a lot, which every time you went out there as an extra really was a, uh, was almost like a tryout, right? Cause Vince is commentating back then watching everything very closely. Yeah. 
you know, I had to actually have a relationship with them prior to even signing. So it was just a different, different animal back then than it is today. You know, yeah, it's a different game. Well, and, and you brought up something that, that throws me back to our, our previous ECW legend guest. We had Al Snow on the podcast. And oh, yeah, he's great. Al's we, the best. I kind of got scolded a minute because I said the word jobber, and he was like, no, no. Right, he's right, like, right. when you walk out that curtain, you're, you're go. And they're like, it's a full go. It is, it's, oh, yeah. No, it's, 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 it's just, yeah, no. I mean, some of the best wrestlers were always the jobbers. But <laughs> at the time, you know, they needed you. They needed good people to get these guys over, you know, and uh, that was just the name of it. It is what it is. I don't take it seriously anymore because I kind of know the deal. Right. So right. if I say, yeah. if I say enhancement talent, I sound cocky about it. Yeah. But if I just <laughs> self-deprecate myself, deprecate myself enough and say I'm a jobber, it's cool. You know? Oh my God. I don't take, I don't take myself too seriously. That's, that's, that's the deal. <laughs> that's the name of the but game. Well, oh, it was ahead. a lot of fun though. Not just, you know, at, at that young age working with, Kurt Henning, the undertaker. I mean, the greats, I got to, I got the opportunity, Mike Rotundo. I mean, Ted DiBiase, you know, just wrestling these guys, Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty, you know, the Quebecers, uh, so many great guys that you learn from Yoko. I got to work with Lex Luger, just, you know, you're out there, you're learning every time out there. And then you start to gain their trust. And then all of a sudden, you know, you got the dark match on TV. Next time you're going over on the match. And then Vince asks you to meet him outside and talks, con- you know, contracts. That's how it happened. Literally Man. one day we were in, uh, where was it? Lowell, Massachusetts. When he asked me to go outside with him and we took a walk and like out, outside some balcony on a Monday night raw late night. And he offered me a deal just like that. You know, Man, that, I mean, just, you know, after training and, and after going through that, that must've just been just such a highlight, right? Just, well, it was, but it, in those times, well, in those times too, I mean, Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy done the same thing. Mm-hmm. Scott, Scotty too hotty, AKA Scott Taylor was right there with me. Same kind of guy, you know, he got a job. So eventually WWE, that was really their way of bringing and finding younger talents back then. Cause they didn't have an NXT or a, any kind of program or in the territories were dead. So where are we going to get our future? You know, so a lot of times they were just bringing in a lot of uh, a lot of uh, other people from other parts of the country, you know. Yeah. And you came up like you came up with you got trained by uh, with the hearts, but you also came up with Jericho and and, yep, and, and Storm. Storm. Yeah. And, and yeah. that must have been cool to have some of those guys that you got trained by to come up in the business with. Right. I mean, just just yeah. to have that that other person to bounce things off of. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that, but that was the thing. If you were, it's so strange now because there are so many places and it's kind of convoluted in a way, because I think the problem has become everybody with $2,000 or $3,000 could become a wrestler. We've now hit this point where we've let too many people in because there's way more men. There's way too many wrestlers for the amount of jobs. Um, back then it wasn't like that. Not everybody could just be a wrestler, right. Or train right. to be a wrestler. They'd only take yeah. you if you were 200 pounds and they try to run you off. And, and beat you up and stretch you so you wouldn't come back. You know what I mean? Now they don't do that. Now they take everybody they do. You know what I mean? So there's right. like thousands of wrestlers back then. They, they knew they didn't have a lot of uh, a lot of talent to pick from. The pool was a lot less. So a lot of us did get jobs because of that. You know, there was, weren't that many great young wrestlers out there, you know? Yeah. So you, so you said you were trained by the hearts and, you know, mm-hmm. you came up with Jericho. So obviously you must've been in the famous heart dungeon. 
Uh, by the the time i got there it was not like that oh okay all right all right (laughs) no by the time i got there it was 92 um we literally would uh would rent a hall in like in the back of a bingo alley and uh you know put up the ring there and and wrestle there for a couple hours a night you know that's awesome uh it was cool it was it was fine it was actually probably better because you got a real ring. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so know? I'm going to ask you, I'm going to, you just brought that up. So I'm going to ask you a stupid question. And, 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 and listen, we have athletes on, we have Olympians on, we've had a couple wrestlers and I didn't ask Al Snow this, but it kind of goes along with something I did ask him. Like I've played baseball in my life. So I, I, I don't know what it's like to face a hundred mile an hour baseball, like a pitcher and try to hit him. I don't know what that's like, but I understand baseball, how to play it. I've done sure. it or football or, you know, Chad's played hockey. Like, it's so crazy. Wrestling's crazy to me because I've watched it since I was two years old. Yeah. Like, like I was at the Survivor Series at Richfield Coliseum here in Cleveland when I was a kid. Right. Uh, I had right. WrestleMania two on VHS for almost uh, like we just got rid of that. Uh, right, right, right. Uh, I've watched it forever, and I feel like I know enough about it that I'm. I, I, I'm uh, I don't. We don't. We we try not to be like we're not insiders or whatever. We just know about it. We've watched it forever. But the funny thing is, I have no idea what it's like to be a wrestler, right? I know yeah. It's like to swing a baseball bat. I have no idea. So my question is like, all right, so I'm watching. I'm the novice, dumbass, idiot fan. And I'm just watching. And I cannot for the last, I am a 36-year-old man. And if I fall down, man, I'm down. Like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Like, it's over. Right. I can't for the life of me understand. So, like, walk me through what it actually, and I think people don't ask this enough, but, like, you take a, a a suplex and you just land on your back in the middle of the ring. What's that yeah. sensation like for you? <laughs> like, is it more um, painful than you guys let on? Yeah. At times. Sure. Sure. At times there's a, I mean, there's, it, I I've gotten to the point and I'm, I, I'm able to do this because I've, you know, I'm close to 30 years in where I won't take certain moves. I'm not doing power bombs anymore. Um, <laughs> you know, I so, you know, suplexes I'll do and stuff like that, but certain moves you find out really what you're better at taking. So I just kind of got a bunch of moves that I know how to, or bumps that I know how to take well to protect myself. And I just tend to go there more. And when I'm planning the match, just kind of try to, you know, exp- book myself in a way that I don't have to take anything that's uncomfortable for me, yeah. you know, cause landing on your back flat, like a clothesline hurts more than a suplex. Really? There's something oh, wow, about okay. landing backwards and maybe possibly not tucking your chin, bouncing your head off the canvas, you know? And when you go uh, ass over tea kettle, you land on your, your, your feet, your, your ass. Uh, it's a bit easier on your body and your neck. You know, you always want to protect that neck. So yeah, it's it's yeah, but you figure out what you're good at taking and, and you kind of stick within your wheelhouse. That's what always kept me alive. Well, I think a lot of people just watch it and assume, though, uh, yeah. that, OK, like I think if you just talk to a random guy, uh, whatever, you know, that's it's got springs. So there's give, uh, there's padding on there. Yeah. Uh, so how bad can it be? And I feel like I watch it's still it. Very it has to hurt. Like that's it's very hurt. jarring. It scrambles your brain because when you land, you forget you're so close to the, the floor that where you land that like it's, it pops so loud that your ears and it's the, the whole thing with your head. Like I, it's almost like taking a, you know, a football tackle. It feels like, you know, because your head gets wrung a bit. Every time you slap, snap back, your head rings on that yeah. mat. So there's always damage happening. Like people don't realize it. It might look trivial at times, 
But, uh, you know, I had my wife, uh, she used to work at ECW selling t-shirts for three years. And That's one time awesome. we were met, we were there early, uh, finished setting up the t-shirt messing around. She got in the ring. She took a train back bump that I taught her and she's a little girl, 118 pounds. She said she'll never do it again. Knock the wind right out of her. Man. Right. So it is, it's, you know, it's not easy. It's not again, easy. It is, it is an art. I apologize for the stupid question, but it's like, no, it's one of those question. things like, oh. You know, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, and I, and this is what I said to Alex. Like, I, I, there's nothing else in my life that I feel like I know a lot about, but I don't know anything about it at the same time. Right. Like, yeah. And, and it's and, definitely different. That's for yeah. sure. But you're probably not that far off of what you think it is. And I think that's a, the biggest problem with kids today. Like it's, it amazes me. I think I was so good so early, not because I had this super talented athletic ability. I just kind of always thought to myself, I already know how to do this because I've watched it for a million years. And I, I, you know, it's kind of what you see is what you get. Then I learned how to just do it to protect others and myself. So I found out that what I was doing even before camp was probably pretty right. You know, somebody fake punches you, you fake sell it to the best of your ability. (laughs) Some kids kids at wrestling school don't get that. And they can't do both things simultaneously. It's weird. It's like, I already knew what, I knew what this was way before I got into it as far as just like, you know, doing all the, you know, selling and all that stuff. That was just, you know, I was a good, um, I was never very good originally, but I could like, (laughs) you know, mimic other people like celebrities or, you know, impersonations, musicians I could sing like, you know, but I could never do like me properly. But, uh, you know, that was with wrestling, like just imitate what you're watching and probably not too far off. Yeah. So a kid, so a kid, so a kid growing up in Waterbury, Connecticut, you said you watched it for a million years. Who are some of the guys you looked up to? Like, where did the love of wrestling start for you? Um, just, I remember having a black and white TV in my bedroom. Um, this had to be 83, 84 with the, uh, with the rabbit ears. And I saw yes. Hulk Hogan beat the iron cheek yes. for the title. Um, must've been 10 or something like that. And that just kind of, that was really the first thing I, I watched of pro wrestling just cause it was on, you know, Saturday mornings, you're watching cartoons. It was a different yeah. life, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, the most, one of your favorite cartoons, let's change the channel. And you saw this wrestling stuff. It was like, Oh, okay. And you know, just like anybody else, you're just like into it. Right. Sure. Speaker just went out there a minute. Uh, yeah. So, so again, you talked about it. Uh, you, you get pulled outside by Vince. You are, uh, you are now signed. You've got a contract. You're WWF at the time, uh, locked in. Uh, so there you are, like with guys like you talked about, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, The Undertaker. All those guys are there. Uh, so you come in, and they come up. How, how does Aldo Montoya come up? Because I'll be honest with you, when I think of you, I obviously I think of Just Incredible, right? But when I when I'm going through and like making notes and stuff and I see all the Montoya, I can immediately see all the month, the yellow thing. Right. Yeah. And yeah, like, yeah. I can immediately, I don't know why that sticks into my head. So how's that character come up? I know you've got the Portuguese descent. Yeah. Um, they just wanted uh, somebody that was Portuguese to go to the foreign markets that spoke it, that was authentically Portuguese. So I was in the right place at the right time. That was also a big, uh, a big part of it. And um, they, they just wanted to, Portuguese character. Uh, it was it, the original drawing. Actually, looked like uh, kind of like a, a Power Ranger, really, <laughs> like with a helmet. 
you know, almost. Oh, really? And they couldn't. Yeah, and the uh, the girls that are the designer, the seamstresses, couldn't quite get the mask right. Because um, uh, if you saw the drawing, it actually looked really, really cool. It looked yeah. like a gladiator, you know. Yeah. And uh, the, you know, in the costume, they you know, the bottom half wasn't bad. It was just the mask that was the worst. But <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you, you caught some gruff for that, right? Right. Uh, a, a bit, not as much as I thought. When I look back on it now, I'm like, "What the fuck, man? How, how could I have one that?" <laughs> like I should, no, I should have just, I should have done something to get another one made. It was like, "What the fuck?" You're standing there in the mirror, like when you first put on the suit, you're like, "God damn it!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. That had to been that had to been the wildest time, though. That had to been the wildest yeah, time to like to like get a character because think of the yeah. other characters that are coming out at that time. By the way, you talked about having a helmet. I feel like they got it right and they gave it to Farouk then at that yeah, point. Yeah, like, yeah. He, remember, yeah, he used to come out bad, with a helmet? Yeah, there were some bad characters at that time. Man. Oh, my really gosh. Were, yeah. The, yeah the, the, the goon. The hockey oh. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, he, was, he was a good wrestler. That was Wild Bill Irwin. Yeah. AWA. You know, that's, I mean, but yeah, there's Duke the Dumpster, Drossy, and Duke Doink. The Doink the Clown. You had, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was just, <laughs> uh, what was Kane's name? The Dentist. Jesus. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God! Fatu, Fatu uh, who ended up being uh, Rikishi, was doing the rap gimmick. Oh my! Remember God. that? Oh <laughs> yeah. my God! Yes. God, it, was, it was so crazy. And then he did the oh, Sultan, man. and he did the Sultan gimmick right yes. after. Yes, they would just repackage you and throw you back out there like they didn't give a fuck. Papa Shango, right. let's do yeah. this. Yeah. yeah, it's it's crazy because it went from that era where they were so good at like playing off world events, right? That Hulk Hogan. And the Iron Sheik, and right, right. and the Russians, and like or the Soviet, yeah, like yeah. It, they were Sergeant so good. At, thing. They were so good at playing off all that, and then it got into that like early to mid nineties, and it was like, let's put out a clown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? So that, well, it, that's, the thing like, is, this, that's what what happened, and that really was the birth of ECW. Um, and if we really think about it, WCW was just as bad with yes. bad gimmicks. Oh, yes. Um, some of the worst <laughs> ever. And um, WWE. So like in 95, 94, 95, when Heyman and, and Eddie Gilbert or whoever, they just figured fans wanted to see old wrestle, old school wrestling. It's like what, you know, more and more people were starting to become sick of this kind of stuff and wanted just old school wrestling because ECW first didn't really start out as like this, you know, they did some stuff like FMW was being successful within Japan. They ripped off some elements there, but it was really more like Texas hardcore wrestling with Terry Funk and Dusty Rhodes as much as anything else. And I, I think fans congregated to ECW for that reason. It's just like we got cartoon characters everywhere, you know, in both federations and we want more, you know? Right. Sure. Sure. Now, you know, so you get off to a really good start with, with, with Aldo Montoya. You know, fans enjoyed you. You know, they, they really loved, uh, you know, everything about you. But one of the funniest things that I found was your first televised loss. Do you remember who that was to? No. Yes. No. Well, let's, let's ring some bells. <laughs> this Mike, is so good. Mike? Oh, I got it. I know who it is. Do you remember a guy named Mantar? <laughs> oh yeah he was the shit he was so bad what he was so bad hey let's throw a buffalo head on a guy and just throw him out there and we'll call him mantar and we'll see yeah. what happens he was so bad and he was so stiff too he couldn't work in the ring he'd always hurt you oh that's he was, uh, oh, I, I, worked, oh. I worked with him a lot he always hurt me like, i hated working with him oh. nobody nobody liked him either none of the guys liked him he was just like a ugh. not good times when i had to wrestle on him 
Ugh. not good times. And I wrestled him way too many times. Like I still feel it. I still feel again, it. Again, yeah, come much. on, come on, guys, come on, again. <laughs> we still doing this Mantar thing? Uh, <laughs> so you have your first run in the WWE. You've got, before you, you take off and you head over to ECW, what, what's that, what did that first run in WWE teach you, though? Like, what did that do uh, to make you the great that you became in ECW? It just taught me how to... Um, how to, you know, I wrestled in the, in, you know, in, before I was 24, I wrestled in the Royal Rumble Survivor Series, uh, you know, got to do how many episodes of Raw and Superstars and all that stuff. So I learned how to be on TV. I learned how to work. I learned how to be on the road. Uh, I learned how to be in a locker room, just everything. It, it was the best preparation anybody could get. And then when I came to ECW, I think one of the reasons it was a bit easier for me was, you know, Paul didn't have that many guys and gals that had ever been on TV. And their television uh, expansion was happening and going to pay-per-view for the first time. And I already been on, you know, I've already been done pay-per-views and, and done all this stuff. So I had an edge. I kind of knew the importance of being on television. I used it to my advantage. Whereas in WWE, I was just learning it. I didn't know it yet. So it's almost like yeah. if I'd have known what I knew, who knows what it could have, you know, Aldo is always meant to be Aldo. But uh, if I knew how to work, like, you know what I mean? Aldo was just such a learning experience. I could have never maximized it. But in ECW, I did. Now, yeah, I guess. Now, now, going over to work with Paul Heyman, did you know, like, I mean, anything about ECW and what you were getting yourself into when you at oh, that yeah. Point? oh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. yeah, I knew. I knew. I'd been there. Uh, I'd been there actually a couple of weeks before I got signed, uh, just to watch. Okay. So I knew there was a buzz going on down there, and I lived like four hours from uh, Philly. And I was like, you know, let's just go down for the weekend. I didn't ask to work or anything like that. I just wanted to kind of see yeah. what was going on. And it was re- really still the days, the early ECW days, with like Salvatore Belomo and uh-huh. and some of those, uh, mm-hmm. you know, EC. Uh, what was it? not not extreme? It was still like Eastern Championship yeah. wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but something was already going on there. You know what I mean? The fans were packing it, so there was something there. So it it, it becomes what it becomes. ECW. It will go down forever as a legendary, you know, uh, situation. And, and they were so they were so good at what they did. How do you have to you, you go from being Aldo Montoya in the WWF where you were kind of clean cut fan favorite kind of guy? You change it up. How do you have to, like, prepare differently in that style of wrestling? Um, I really didn't. That's that's the funny thing. I really didn't that much. It just. I guess I just did. I did more of what I felt I wanted to do. Cause at first when I started wrestling Jerry Lynn, I just did a lot of cool spots that I usually couldn't do uh, as Aldo. Um, just more basic wrestling, more like Shawn Michaels, Kurt Henning style stuff. And then only a little later had, did I start really doing like the extreme stuff. And even yeah. then I, did, I didn't do a hell of a lot of stuff like that. It was mostly the stuff I had done was like with Dreamer or Seppu. But uh, for the most part, wrestling with like Jerry Lynch, Shane Douglas, the impact player stuff. A lot of it was just straight up wrestling, you know. Okay. That's, that must have been, been nice because some of those other guys are crazy. That probably, yeah, no, some I, of the craziest thing, New Jack, some of the craziest shit I've ever seen in my whole life. Well, that's why I booked the heel man. It was uh, it was me and Paul's idea to put Jason uh, with me because Jason could take all the big bumps as the manager, and I didn't have to take any of the crazy shit. Yeah, thanks, Jason. That, that, those were my that was my politics playing early. I learned I learned something in the WWE. <laughs> right, I was gonna say I, that, because that was gonna be my, one of my other questions. Was like, it, it, there's got to be something like like how do you prepare? It, it, 
Is there a psychological preparation, like to take a kendo stick shot, or you just do it? Like, were you, you just, were you just? Well, I try. I really tried when I was wrestling to minimize like stuff when I was putting it together in my head or talking it over. I'm always mm-hmm. calculating what's the damage going to be on my body. I always was very cognizant okay. of that. But when you're in there doing it, it's just like sometimes, depending on how the match is, you're laying there and you're looking like, it's like okay, um, my spot's next. And you usually have like, okay, he just got thrown out. My turn. Oh, fuck. So you give it a little, <laughs> oh, fuck. And you just do the best you can. You know? Just do the best you can. You probably... If the sound was better in those days, you probably could have heard it every once in a while. Like, oh, fuck, oh, yeah. here we go. Oh, you could definitely hear me in there. That's for sure. <laughs> All right, so gimmick change, right? Uh, and, and obviously, you had a gimmick change when you left. But you talked about coming up with all the Montoya, and, and it was just like, a, hey, we want somebody that's going to play to the international market. You've got Portuguese heritage. Boom, this fits great. Yep. Talk about coming up with Just Incredible, because it, 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 seems, it seems simpler. It seems... Yeah. It seems, I don't, I don't know. It seems more you just where you could just kind of go out and be yourself a little bit more. And it seems yeah. it was in that area. And that's what EC, one of the things ECW did so well is they, they just, they let guys be real believable. And that was what's cool about yeah. just incredible was he, he was, he was believable. Like that would just seem like a guy. I was just, uh, I, I was just myself uh, amplified to, you know, pull, you know, turned it up to 11. Um, me on like, you know, I'm just Mac and champ, like all the way up here, like, just being a lunatic. Um, and it started slow at first. I wasn't like, I could see the, as I got more comfortable with it. And, but Paul really didn't do much for me. I, he just go out there and find it yourself. So I just really kind of, as a wrestling style, I just kind of wanted to do a little Sean, a little razor. And I think my heel actions kind of were a little reminiscent of that, a little flair, of course. And then somehow <laughs> it became a, a lot of just those, those things becoming me, you know what I mean? Just, um, you know, using those influences to somehow make something organic, you know? And I just looked at myself like the, the heel punk kid that everybody hates, you know, just to be a dick. If you know what I mean? It was easy. <laughs> yeah. But that's it. That, 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 it seems so very, that seems so very ECW. It was just kind of like, Hey, go be a dick. Yeah. And and you all did it well. Like everybody did it well. well because if, if, when you get into wrestling, I think you have some bit of, of ego and confidence just to be able to get out there and do what you do in front of any kind of crowd or people yeah. are knowing you, you're going to get hurt. So it's like, just take that ego and try to work on it to where you can make it a character. And then there's little, uh, you know, you could add to it. You could take away from it, but uh, you know, it's just like, it's actually a lot of fun just to go out there and try to do some thing and a lot of times you're really just reacting to situations like if somebody yelled something at me in the crowd i would do something you know kind of to break that wall and kind of make them chuckle uh, for a bit and then tell them to fuck off at the same time so i was always trying to work, work the smart i was trying to work the smart marks which really helped me because i would acknowledge their shit like if they tried to start a chant i'd be like yeah but still aldo was better than this guy and they would laugh and then i would start to endear myself to them in a way. Oh, so it's just, okay. it's just like play. You just go out there and play, man. See what the room gives, you, you know, you know, you yeah, talked about, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Mike. I was just going to say, cause it brought up a question in my head. You talked about just incredible was you turned up to 11. Uh, I, of those years of those guys, those years in the ECW, especially, cause I feel like there's obvious answers to this of guys that were so different, but in those, those crazy guys that we saw of Terry Funk and new Jack and RVD and all that, who was like polar opposite of their character? Like 
who put on a character and then was just completely different? That's a great question. That's a great question. Um, not, not very many. Cause everybody's uh, <laughs> semi shoot. Like Taz really was Taz. Yeah. Sandman really was Sandman. No dream. Yo, oh, dude, <laughs> really? Wow. You really, dude, he's like the 24 seven to this day. Oh, gets himself in more trouble than you know. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but there, uh, I don't know, man. I would no, I most, I'm sure there are maybe spike Dudley. He was pretty chill. Devon Dudley was pretty chill. Bubba was Bubba. Dreamer was Dreamer. So Shane Douglas certainly was the franchise in his own mind. And I love Shane. Don't, I'm not like shit on him. We all thought we were who we were at the same time. So we were living in our little ECW bubble and we were like gods there. So, so it, awesome. it was so easy and fun. Like we were just, I don't know. Nothing like nostalgia. Nothing as intoxicating as nostalgia, right? Right. 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 So uh, let's talk about the company for a minute. Uh, you know, ECW, obviously, you know, with the hardcore stuff, it, it was it was things nobody had really ever seen before in the wrestling business. Uh, you know, what else did they how did they how did it gain such a cult a cult following? Like what did what 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 was so right about that at the time? And how did the brand build such a lasting legacy? I don't know. I, I really don't. I think a lot of it is just uh, Paul was just great at making it look um, just different than anything else. There was no gloss to it. It was very 90s grunge esque, um, you know, it was filmed on the cheap, which was what made it so fun and really not afraid to explore certain things. And, you know, I, I just the whole vibe. It's like, and I say it again, and I hope you guys know what it means. It's like with ECW, Paul had an idea and then yeah. he just worked with what he had. That's all, yeah. that's all we really, yeah. but, but that working with what I say with that means like working with what he had, uh, we'd go to a building in Buffalo, New York. We'd sell out this wonderful arena right outside, uh, part of a university. It's like 3,500 people we used to pack in there. And then for promos, you go on some fire escape at the building. We worked with what we had. And sometimes right, at yeah. night, it, it looked really cool. So we just always kind of, we, we were driving over a famous bridge, get out of the car, film this promo with Francine. Yeah. in the middle of the night <laughs> oh, okay. just shooting a promo like you know <laughs> yeah. it was just it was just we were just doing that kind of stuff a lot of guerrilla shooting but it made it uh it made it fun and made it unique uh, you know i think by planning out a ton of things at times like it could take away from it the spontaneity of it when it's so uh programmed and uh, so finely tuned you know sometimes you know seeing yeah. something uh, a little off makes it makes it kind of cool adventurous well, I think that's that's always been uh, a complaint of the bigger, you know, the, the right. WWE. At this Everything point. is so polished and so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's almost like, the, 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 you know, live. There was a real cool thing, especially back in the 70s with rock bands. Like you go, they call it live without a net. You're going out there live to play. You fuck up. It's on you. And yeah, with exactly. ECW, I think it was almost like that thing. You know, anything can happen. You know, sure. you, some ex, some promotion might jump in the ring like XPW did which happened. You know what I mean? We just, it was just always something going on. So you just like, that was, uh, I think the white fans also liked it too. Cause you kind of never knew what was going to happen, you know? And it, it felt like, yeah, that, that kind of goes back to it. Every, everything you see yeah. now, like WWE, whatever, it feels like there's, you can just feel the plan. You can feel the yeah. plan. There's always that yeah. plan that you can feel. And sometimes it works, but then sometimes people hate it. 
Because yeah. you can feel the plan. You feel like you're being forced at the plan. That was what was cool about ECW was just. Right. And you don't have to do it. You know, you could just. And Vince did it too a lot back in his day. Um, he wasn't always as, as bad as he is with pre-planning everything or micromanaging everything. Sometimes, man, you know, the best thing is by ignoring some of the best moments you were given, trying to stay stay on script is, you know, sometimes, man, you just got to trust your performers and, and let them do what they do. Because, you you know, you might not always get magic, but what about the times you do get magic? Yeah. You know, you could tell when guys are more comfortable and loose out there. Like, uh, I didn't watch it, but I heard that Ricochet and John Morrison had a great match on yeah. Raw. I didn't see it, but I kept hearing about this. And those are two guys that are pretty well familiar with one another. And they probably went out there and said, Hey, let's just fuck this up and do a great thing. <laughs> going out there free. You're going out there without kind of, uh, you're allowed to do stuff and people aren't micromanaging you. You can end up doing some pretty special stuff, but when you already are being told exactly what's written and what you got to do, it doesn't always work out, you know? Yeah. That, that brings up a question in my head too. That, that, uh, it's interesting. It kind of goes back to what Mike was like, what's it like, what's it like taking a hit? You know, what's it like taking a hit in wrestling, you know, to the average fan watching it on TV. I mean, unless something's really obvious, like a move misses, what's, what's the difference between like a good, like a good, like when someone knocks it out of the park and someone is like, ah, that could have been better. Like, what's the difference? What's 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 the the biggest thing? But yeah, the biggest difference is usually the crowd which okay, we have yeah. not had for a year and a half or so uh, with the pandemic. Okay. So that takes, uh, that takes a huge thing out of it. Hopefully now getting fans back because fans will always tell you. And that is uh, when you have a match that you go out there and call, that's really how you're doing it. You're going out there making decisions on listening to the fans. That's why it's okay. such a beautiful thing to do when you go out there and improvise <laughs> is you're listening to what fans are telling you because not every fan, a match I have in New York city will not work in Philadelphia, two different sets yeah. of fans. And if I go out there and yeah. try to do the same exact thing, you're going to get shit on. So you got to go out there and play a little bit and be willing to kind of listen to them, you know, a feeling out process. And I think that's, that's the big thing about those things. You got to go out there and just see what happens. Let it, let it go. You know, all right, so you're in ECW. You become yep. a superstar. You're just incredible. You're you're one of the faces of ECW. So here's here's a chalk question for you. A question I'm sure you get asked all the time. What's the craziest match you were ever a part of? What's the one match you finished, especially ECW specific? What's the one match where you got to the end of that match and you were like, "Holy shit, that was crazy." Oh man. Um I would say me and Sabu Anarchy Rules 1999. Um, okay. We were in Chicago. Um, we did some really crazy stuff. There was a stage. I did a couple of dives through tables to the floor, which I'd never done. And I still haven't since that day. <laughs> yeah, um, like that, that was enough. Yeah, just, just a bunch of cool stuff. Yeah, that was, I'd say that was probably one of them. But even that, <laughs> yeah. I bet even that wasn't too bad. Uh, I was pretty grateful, but that one was, pretty, was probably the hardest. I was pretty lucky, though. I didn't get hurt too bad at times. Jeez. Yeah. Right. Again, like I said, I trip and fall on the carpet in the living room and I'm like, you know what? Everybody can leave me alone for like an hour <laughs> going through <laughs> tables, hitting the floor. Uh, uh, so you're also on the road. Who were your, who were your boys on the road? Who was uh, like, I know Chad, me, this, me, this and, is, me and Lance storm were always traveling. Yeah. Okay. Tony DeVito. I don't know if you guys know Tony DeVito. Yep. He used to wrestle in the WWE as a jobber with me. And then uh, I got him a job with Angel uh, and Vic Grimes called Carnage Crew uh, the last year of ECW. Okay. little fat, bald guy. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, he's one of my best friends in the business. So awesome. I travel with those guys, yeah. 
So, Chad, that segues into your favorite question. Oh, well, yeah. I, I mean, I, I just wanted to get a before we get into, uh, you know, today's wrestling uh, there, PJ. I wanted I made a quick list, just a quick list of, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the ECW legends. And again, it's just a quick hitter. We don't need anything. Long. I just I, I'm curious to know, like if there's uh, I'm going to mention a wrestler and you can either, you know, give your first impression, something someone may not know about him or if you have a fun, you know, fun story. Can we do that? Okay. Sure. Yeah. Like, uh, like, like Sandman. Uh, absolutely. He, he is the Sandman and he's awesome. Love that. Love him. I love that. Love that's him. him in real life. Like that. Oh, that's yeah. him. That's what? him. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? He's the guy in the room. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's him, dude. That's him. He carries a Kendall stick around. <laughs> Daddy does not. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it gets him into trouble at the airport. Right. right. Yeah, it does. We'll go with it. We'll go with the guy that we have in the podcast. Al Snow. Um, one of the smartest guys in the wrestling business. Okay, one of the smartest guys in the wrestling business. Absolutely. Side note: okay. Did you ever experience him out at a restaurant eating dinner with head? No, I've heard though. I have heard. I have heard. He's great. He's great. That's funny. Oh man. Uh, okay, uh, Lance Storm. Um, my brother. You know, one of my best friends. All right. Uh, Balls Mahoney. Always crying for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Always crying. Always crying. Yeah, he was always crying about something. Like, literally crying. Like, in tears crying. Either some girl left him or some... No, Balls. Yeah, Balls was always crying. He was the crier, we called him. Very Uh, emotional. Very emotional. (laughs) Francine. Francine. um, she was great. I, I loved Franny. I still talk to her sometimes. Um, just a great girl. Um, played a great part. She was a great manager. You know, really knew her, how to do her stuff. I liked her. Very girl. All right, hold on. That brings up. An, I'm cutting in with questions as they come. That is a great question. What does a good manager do for a wrestler? Oh, a, a good manager will um, help in any situation, accentuate uh, and get over the wrestler but also to get over themselves, like, you know, be sneaky, yet be able to get out of the way and not interfere. It's very hard not to, uh, to, to learn spots and not be able to like be part of it, but not get in the way of it. And it's a very fine line to tread, right? Cause you're out there and you usually have a spot or two in the match, but if, you know, there's also times you have to get out of the way. Um, and I think that's the hidden secret. And Francine was just, she knew, she knew where to be and where not to be. I think that's I think that's really cool to know, and I think that's really cool to hear because I think a lot again novice fan, average Joe. Oh, right, because if you're if you're trying to focus on a big spot in the match, and all of a sudden the manager is up on the apron and should be in the in the fans and the referee should be focused on the pinfall, for right. example, that happens more than you right. think. Right, and uh, she was very good at uh, you know being part of the show, yet also knowing when to stay away. And I think you know? I think the fan like views managers as just like. Oh, they're just eye candy that comes out, or it's just like an old man sometimes. No, no, no. There's always that, right? They're way more important. Yes, yes, sir. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, Sabu. Just he is Sabu. He's another one. Sabu is just exactly pretty much what What? you see. Yeah, except he (laughs) swears a lot more, and he's not. You know, he's from Michigan, so he's got no (laughs) accent. (laughs) All right. All right. Oh no, Michigan Sabu. Uh, New Jack. Um, 
you're just a psycho in a good way. (laughs) Okay. But in a good way. In In a good way. Rest in peace. Uh, Terry Funk. Uh, He's the GOAT uh, for extreme wrestling. Always will be. Uh, RVD. He's he's the best. He's the best. He was probably the guy, and we made a lot of money off of him, you know, and him sticking around with us. So, you know, he's the man. I love our. I still talk to Rob to this day. He's the best. Uh, Jerry Lynn. Uh, one of the best wrestlers of all time. No, no, just incredible without Jerry Lynn. Oh, that's cool. And then uh, one more here. And the guy who basically was, you know, in ECW the longest, the lot, he just kind of stuck it up to the very end. Tommy Dreamer. Um, he is the most loyal, uh, honest, and you know, just greatest wrestling guys. And like people that run wrestling and they're he's, and he's one of those guys that runs wrestling. He always is working for some company and he truly loves it. And, you know, he, he is, he is pro wrestling. I'll say Tommy dreamer is pro wrestling. He'll be, he'll go out as like a dusty and Terry. And when he's done, it's not just, not just being nice. I mean, that's him. Yeah. So, yeah. I think, I think my favorite thing that just happened right there. <laughs> Sabu swears a lot and he's from Michigan. And that like totally <laughs> yeah, changes that's it. That's it. everything that's about it. <laughs> like, that's right. this Michigan right. swearing Sabu. All right. So uh, PJ, before we let you out of here, let's just talk a little bit about some impressions you have of today's wrestling. Uh, and, and let's talk about a couple different promotions. WWE, obviously for me, I feel like they get so much, right. They're the biggest for a reason, right? I mean, like right. it is what it is and you can complain about a lot of things, but they're, they're the biggest for a reason. However, it does feel like they get so much wrong. Uh, and they get stuck in their ways. And, and, and the thing that weirds me out is you can look at NXT versus WWE and you've got these NXT stars that get over and, and it's a different crowd or whatever, but I, the crowd's starting to mesh more and more that right. get over and they come to WWE and it's like, there's, there's no push. There's no, it feels like you yeah. see these guys come in, get disinterested and leave. Yeah. Uh, so what's going on with that? I don't know. Uh, I, I obviously NXT does is not equated to you know Raw or SmackDown, so I, I have no idea. Um, I would imagine that Vince and everybody else uh, should know that saying by even saying the main roster makes it sound less than. And I don't think they're at a point where it's really less than anything. It's just different styles. Yeah, I don't know, dude. I just think they're all. I think that whole thing stinks. I think that whole thing's messed up. If I were them, I would reshuffle the deck, keep those three hours, and just have it be three hours of WWE wrestling and make it more to intercontinental titles, a U.S. title. You could you could have like a a title to a show instead of calling them stupid names and have people just fight for the titles. Right. You know, Raw, SmackDown. What the fuck is the difference? The black and gold brand. (laughs) What the fuck, dude? Who cares? I get it, but it it just doesn't work. That's not what fans want. It just complicates things. Fans want to see something like, oh, who's going for the belt? Who's going to kick this other guy's ass? You know? It's what is the is the worst thing that happened to WWE just years and years and years of just a straight lack of competition. Yes, absolutely. And also, I think 
becoming so because of no competition becoming so big that they really have no reason to change their business model right fans could con- complain we could all say yeah it's this or that it's, but they're still going out watching it um cable ratings you can't really say they're they matter the way they used to because we no. stream we do so it's just different right um but still their their business model seems to work wrestlemania seems to still sell out you know i don't know i don't know why should they change if you, you know? can change, but you talked about the business model and changing, and they're stuck I, in the race. If you could change one thing, if you were like, if you're watching, I don't even know. Thinking, I don't even don't know. know anymore. Yeah. I don't know anymore. Didn't that to be seriously like that's a loaded question, and to be really to give a serious, not just a blow off answer, to give a serious answer, I don't even know anymore. I don't know yeah. what fans would really want because you could argue that the smart fans would want. You know, like something more of a, like, a, like what AEW does, like, you know, what they say, well, at least what they claim they do, you know, with rank, like wins and losses count. No, that's all bullshit. But, it, you know, they try to make it out like that. I just think the storylines are just weak. I think mm-hmm. they need to go, they need to get off this PG thing for, for, for that reason. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I just think simplify stuff. Go back 20, 30 years. What's old is new again, you know, because this kind of pre-planned wrestling stuff just is. And then some of these guys are so great doing such great magic. Nobody cares. We've seen it all too much. And that's the problem. If you don't dial it back and give them less, they're not going to, they're going to say, well, what's the next big thing? What do you, they got to throw you off the top of the building now. Yeah. Right. Where's the, what's the next huge stunt? It's, we got to kind of, it's got to go five or six years back, almost like bore them to death and then start bringing in some, you know, recycling some shit. Right. But now, how much of that, now you talked about that. How much is, um, I, I feel like it's a lot more difficult for, for, sto- for wrestling, uh, to get into storytelling, to get into storylines these days. And I think the biggest, one of the biggest culprits of that is the internet. How much has internet ruined the storytelling aspect of wrestling? Uh, quite a bit. It certainly has. Um, and it certainly is a problem because of a lot, you know, whatever is taped, you know, it only mm-hmm. seems that the live shows um, have any merit because you really never know what's going to happen and what's on the format. But yeah, there's a lot of reasons why it's that way. Um, it's just yeah. nobody's willing to take any chances. Everybody's just very happy with it. But if I was Vince, it's almost I think Vince does things more for ego. Because I have a what I hear, Vince has no idea who any of these people are. And then, uh, like a lot of the guys, oh, in NXT, especially independently, like there's no, like, you know, we can, we think Vince McMahon has the time to listen to all this and watch AEW and kind of have the comprehension that we maybe fans have of what goes on around him. He's more, he's more worried about, you know, how am I producing this show? What's on this show? He has, he has no idea who any of these people are. Yeah. It's amazing. And, and I think that WWE would, do a better job of finding people that are a little bit, a little bit more plugged in. And then just kind of Vince has got to learn to let this, like let people get out of the way. Like Vince should honestly just turn the whole operation Hunter. I think Hunter would do a much better job because he has shown with NXT that he has the capabilities of doing it. And, but then again, you're going to overload him too. Right. 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 I mean, so you need at you the need. end of the day, it's it's always going to be WWF thing. That's what it's, it's going to always be WWF bullshit. Fans are going to like it. Fans aren't going to like it. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, is there a chance that AEW is real competition for them? Yes, absolutely. Okay, I, I totally believe that. Especially now um, with them doing live events again. Uh, they're in Chicago for three days. 
for one of their pay-per-views, a taping of Rampage, a taping of Dynamite, I think. And one of the, I think one, if not two, are already sold out um, at the Sears Center, uh, which is like close to 10,000. So that's pretty impressive. They're also coming to New York City at that tennis, uh, outdoor tennis court there in Brooklyn, yeah. I believe. That's another big one. So I think once they start hitting the road, sorry, if they if they could manage to pull off some kick-ass TV tapings, I think that's going to be some fun. And I think WWE will start to get concerned, especially on the touring uh, piece of this, you know. Hey, and they got Jerry Lynn uh, at AEW. Yeah. So that's got to have <laughs> yeah. a special place in your heart, right? Yeah, I'm pissed. And Jericho. You can hire me. Oh, come on. All right, well, we're still, we'll start that. We'll start the official hire Hire PJ, hire Just Incredible back. Uh, move yeah, on. right. Yeah, uh, right. All right, couple last couple quick hitters. You already answered this one before, so I won't hit it because I was going to say best wrestler you ever worked with, but you've said Jerry Lynn yeah. a couple times, so we'll stick with that. And you're not allowed to say Mantar for this. <laughs> <laughs> and not to throw people under the bus, but who's who's the guy you dreaded working with? Who's the guy you were like, oh, shit. Like, I don't want to do this. Not Mantar. Oh, God. That's going to be rough. Vader. Oh, 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 wow. There you go. Yeah. Uh, he, he had a, uh, it wasn't a, even that he was that stiff. He was just like, he smelled his gear smell. No. <laughs> there. Yeah, I hated working with Leon and I worked, no. with him, I worked with him at an indie show where <laughs> no. I actually beat him with a super kick. It was like one of the matches he had before he died. Oh. His shit always smelled so bad. It's like, wash your shit, Leon. Wash your shit. That's going to be our shit. That's, that's quote of the podcast right there. Wash your shit, Leon. Uh, Jesus. Uh, all right, lastly, what's the stiffest shot you ever took? Um, wow. Probably uh, fought two of the Samoan SWAT team on a clothesline on yeah. Raw. Yeah. Knocked me out completely. Oh, no. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Oh, All right, PJ, you've got the credible documentary that we should be looking for. You said Hulu at the beginning of the year. Yep. Anything else going down uh, for you? Uh, again, if you want to follow PJ, just incredible PJ Polacco at PJ Polacco on his social media. Anything else big going on for you before we let you out of here? That is it, man. Just, uh, you know, check out my social media and, uh, you know, just I'll be in touch with everybody. That's it. Awesome, man. Well, hey, we really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so uh, much. It was a pleasure. I had a great time with you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, it Seriously. was a blast. A, thank you for thank coming you. on with us. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. All right, PJ. Thank you again. Thanks PJ. for rescheduling with you with us. Oh, we thank you guys. That. I appreciate it. Have a good one. And once again, a big thank you to PJ Polacco, aka Aldo Montoya, aka Just Incredible. Man, the stories that those guys have and the insight, like. It was fascinating, guys. It was fascinating to, to I love when they just open up and just give us an insight into the world of of wrestling and, and what it's like in the life. And he was awesome. Dude, I mean, it's and and he was back in the heyday where it was like you were on the road for 300 days a year. You didn't have any sort of family life. You had you you lived, uh, breathed and, and breathed and ate and died wrestling because it, you, you, there was no time off you know nowadays it's a little easier i mean especially with the thunderdome COVID. you know it's it's there's not so much uh, there's not a ton of traveling anymore i know a lot of these guys get a lot more time off nowadays but uh, he was back in it when it was like you everything else came second and your career wrestling came first and dude that was just such a fascinating look into into yeah. life of a wrestler and, like that and the other thing is like 
nowadays it's so different for the wrestlers than it was e- even the even like the not big name wrestlers like again he came in as a jobber yeah. his his job was to drive around <laughs> like drive around and go to the shows right right and right. now guys like I was on a flight with Baron Corbin a couple of years ago. I sat, I sat right next to him on a flight. It was great. Real nice guy. Uh, But he flies to the show, he sleeps and then he goes home the next day, you know, like, uh, you know, and, and you're only, you're only showing up on one show a week. You're either on raw or SmackDown and they still have dark house shows and, and dark matches and stuff that they show up on. But man, it isn't that schedule of like, all right, one show in Cleveland, then drive, dark uh, house show in Columbus house show in Louisville. Then we're going to Nashville. Then we're going to go over to Atlanta. Like just boom, boom, boom. 30 straight night, 30 straight nights in in 30 nights, dude. (laughs) That's crazy. So anyways, Ah! big time. time Thank you to just incredible PJ Polacco. Uh, Go follow him at PJ Polacco, uh, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Huge. Thank you to him. And uh, and we'll give his uh, documentary a shout out one more time before we move on the, uh, the credible documentary. Uh, wait for that. He said it will be out towards the beginning of next year on Hulu. Chad, I what happened? To ask him, I forgot to ask him about the plane ride from hell. I'm so mad. I forgot to ask him about the plane ride from hell. I'm so, sorry to everybody out there uh, because that was just such an incredible story of what happened. But uh, yeah, I apologize for that. I don't know that I know that story. So uh, this was back in, I want to say 2005, 2006. Okay. Uh, they, they were doing, it was a short European tour uh, that they ended up doing uh, a pay-per-view in London at Wembley Arena. It okay. was, uh, I, the name's escaping me right now, but it was a pay-per-view in London. They were coming home. So 30, it was like a plane full of like 30 wrestlers, guys and girls. And... <laughs> It, it was a rented out 747. Vince okay. McMahon was on his flight. Oh, no. And it, uh, all the booze was on Titan Sports, <laughs> who was part, their partner at the time. It, okay. So it was 30 wrestlers, guys and girls, and an open bar. And supposedly, things like Ric Flair was had his robe on, but was naked under it, and just flashing around all the stewardesses. Uh, Brock Lesnar and... Uh, uh, Mr. Perfect were doing and Kurt Henning were, were uh, literally fighting like like wrestling on the ground in the middle of the 747. Vince McMahon was uh, 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 God, he was he ended up arguing with somebody on there. I can't remember who, but like the, the story was just so wild and crazy. Uh, and, and I'm so mad. I forgot to ask him about it. <laughs> and that was going to be our one travel question. Remember Al Snow? It was the uh, the, the van ride with a group of drunken little people. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you, and you can look up, you can look anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about. You can look it up on YouTube because the, the story is widely known. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, the, the 747 ended up getting damaged. Oh, the image no. of WWE Ooh. went down for a little while. It was a, Yikes. kind of a, kind of a black mark, but, uh, on the WWE, but the story was, is just crazy. Like I said, so if you ever, ever want to Google, or YouTube, a crazy wrestling story, the plane ride from hell. Just do it. It's incredible. <laughs> uh, listen, man, again, our, our thanks go out to PJ, just incredible and best of luck. And, 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 and the other, the last thing I'll say, I think it's cool. We we've had this a lot on our show. Uh, uh, people just telling their story. And this is a guy that's battled substance abuse and mental health issues. And he's going to go out and tell his story. And it's stuff that he still battles to this day. And so 
you know, if, if that helps anybody, that's awesome. So check out the documentary that comes out. Uh, but again, our big time thanks goes to just incredible PJ Polacco for joining us. So boys, uh, before we end our podcast, let's bring it home to Cleveland a little bit. There's been some stuff going on, uh, not just bring it home to Cleveland, but things that involve Cleveland, I guess. First of all, it's, it's all-star week uh, for major league baseball. And it's been, uh, there's a couple things to talk about regarding major league baseball and the Cleveland Indians. Um, uh, so let's start with all-star break and then let's bring it to the Indians. Um, I didn't watch the all-star game. I told you I was at like a company function. Fine. Yeah, okay. All-star game. Fine. I, it's never the thing I look forward to on the all-star break. Like, I don't know if it's anybody's thing I look forward to, but I'll tell you what the home run derby. It was, it was sweet. Like, I think they do a couple things that are weird and wonky. I, I think there was weird things that that looked weird in the presentation of it. But I, I like this whole like head-to-head thing that they get a, a three minutes. So these guys are swinging their arms off. Like, they were exhausted. Uh, and, man, they put on a show. And Pete Alonzo, dude, <laughs> that dude is, he is next level. Like, he might be the best home run derby guy I've seen since Ken Griffey. Did you see, like, the spray chart of his uh... – or batting coach. No. On the pitches. <laughs> there was like, just like a meme going around of like, he should be inducted to the hall of fame. Cause his spray chart, which is upper middle strike zone, all pitches, all of them that he had the entire night. Not one yeah. thing out of the upper middle of the strike zone. Uh, so no, not true. Zone. Not true. He had one. He had definitely had one out of the strike zone because what happened in the home run derby. There's one of the best moments of the home run derby. He fucking hit him. He hit, oh. he hit, he plunked uh, uh, Alonzo. Uh, <laughs> and then the next pitch, he cranked it like 500 feet. But point well taken, Joe. Other than that, everything was perfect. But yeah, it was exciting. You know, okay. So, so here's something that I've decided to, right? We, we've talked a lot about how baseball struggles to market their, their uh, uh, stars, right? Yeah. Did, did we lose Chad? Where's Chad? I'm here. I'm here. You're just talking. I'm just listening to you talk. We talk a lot about how they struggle to market their players. I think part of it is like, I'm going to throw it back to our special guests. I think it's part of, I'm going to call it the Roman Reigns effect. If you remember years ago, Roman Reigns wins the Royal Rumble in Philadelphia. Everybody thinks that's going to like put him over and he gets booed heavily because everybody felt like, okay, here we go. We're just getting this guy shoved down our throat. And he literally got booed heavily until a, he had the leukemia thing, but then B, he came back and they finally made him like a heel and they did that turn, right? It's yeah. like what baseball does with their superstars. They like shove them down your throat. I don't need a goddamn notification on my phone every time Shohei Otani hits a home run. It makes me not like him. It makes me not want him to succeed. I don't yep. need to. I got a notification last week and I know it was a good play, but it's a play that 95% of Major League Baseball shortstops make. Because Fernando Tatis Jr. threw a guy out at home plate. Good for him. Whatever. Like it, and it wasn't like it wasn't like this crate. He took a cutoff and he threw it home and he got the guy out right. And well, I the got a notification. Part is is like that notification setting comes from MLB News. Like like if you're choosing like what you want to be notified. Yeah. Game start news. Game yes. final. 
it's the news notification. Like you check that because you want to know like if a major player goes down or if a trade happens. Or, right, right. Uh, not you know Shohei Otani striking out three people in an inning or uh, yeah Fernando Tatis hitting a three hundred and eighty foot home run in the left field. Like it's <laughs> right, right. Who cares, it's, dude? It's, like let me know when Tatis hit or or, or, or Shohei. And listen, Shohei is your bona fide superstar right now. Yeah. Like he's the biggest name in baseball right now. Let me know when he hits his 30th. That's cool. Like before the all-star break, fine. Let me know when he hits his 50th. Cool. But like, I don't need a notification from ESPN. that's like, Otani blasts, blasts his 32nd home run of the year, 362 feet into left field. And the Angels what? lose two to eight. Right. <laughs> right. Like, right. again, it, it makes me not, it, I'm going to call it the Roman Reigns effect. It makes me not like him. Why are you shoving this dude down my throat? It's whatever. He hit his 31st home run. He could pull a Tyler Naquin and hit one more home run the rest of the year. We don't need that. Like, let it organically happen. Sure. But he, I mean, they're shoving it down, shoving him down your throat strictly because of that. Because Major League Baseball does such a shitty job marketing uh, superstars. I mean, Otani is the story, and he will always be the story. And that, I mean, ESPN has a bad habit of doing that nowadays. They just they focus in with you know with the NBA. It's LeBron or uh, I, I know or Kevin Durant. They're gonna they're just gonna shove them down your throat because that's that's the major story to them. They're not, they're not gonna pay attention to anything else. Like I desperately want to like Sho- Shohei Otani. He's doing something that like nobody's done since Babe Ruth. Like. Yeah. Literally, what he is doing now is Babe Ruth baseball, and nobody has done it since Babe Ruth did it. And now here's Shohei Otani doing it. I want to like this guy. Let me just what? like this guy. Stop sending me shit about him, and let me just like him. You know who they did I mean, that with a lot was Aaron Judge. Yes, when Aaron Judge uh, had his first season out, that he was shown out with he had like 48 home runs or something that year. He was every notification, and then he had we just stopped. <laughs> He's what? playing well, but and like, he's an he's an insane. I know he plays for the Yankees, so take that out of the picture. He's an insanely likable type guy. Like, oh, right? totally, he is. He, he's a likable guy. You just make me not like like send me my like I've signed up for stuff. Send me news from all around baseball. Send me news from all around baseball. Let me know when something happens from Miami or Atlanta or Texas or whatever. But it's like every day I look at my phone and it's. I know I'm going to get something about Otani and I'm going to get something about Tatis. That's happening on my phone every day. And it makes me not like him. It's more of an ESPN problem than anything. Yeah. <laughs> really trying kind to of send you all around news. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so, it's, it's, every time it, it, we don't have to segue into this cause it'll be dead by the time this podcast comes up. But every time Stephen A made some like obscure no. comment for the past 10 years before his last big deal, there's a Stephen A notification that you get on ESPN. And I right. hate it. I used to complain to you about that, Mike, all the time. I was like, why am right. I getting this? It makes you not like, and, and Stephen, and listen, I know Steve, Stephen A can be a polarizing figure or whatever, but like, there's a reason he's the highest paid guy on ESPN. He's good at what he does. And he, he made a slip up this week and we're not getting into all that nonsense. But like, he's good at what he does. I don't need, I don't need a notification every time. I, I know how to work. I know how to work ESPN's app. Like I can go find the Stephen A. article, like the one, the one thing I will say, the one thing I will say about that is it, it makes me laugh every time that someone someone complains about something. I mean, obviously, you know, rightfully so, they should have complained about what Stephen A. said about Otani. But like, when people get mad at like Colin Coward for saying things about Baker Mayfield or something that uh, you know outrageous that Stephen A. or Skip Bayless say, 
people don't, I, it just makes me laugh because people don't realize that like that's, it's their job to elicit right. reaction. They're trying you know, to warn the reaction. Yes. If, if, you're, if you're not, if you're not being saying something out of whack, controversial, something that people, it, 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 it is their job to do that. It is literally their job to do that because Otherwise, you're not making any money. If 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 Stephen A. and I don't, what, Max Kellerman agreed all the time, they wouldn't have a show because if, it would be boring. <laughs> if you don't think if you don't think Colin Cowherd understands that yeah. when you badmouth anything Cleveland, it means ratings and it means views online. Right. That's why he does it. And it, it is means, why he does it. It is. And it means all, Colin Cowherd knows that all he has to do. He knows. He knows that he knows that he wouldn't pick Kirk Cousins over Baker Mayfield <laughs> to win a football game. He knows that, but he knows that if he goes on TV and says it, it's just boom, cha-ching, because all of Cleveland is worked into a shoot. And like, right. we are going to go ballistic. I've tried to, like, I've had so many people on, like on Twitter. I'm like, don't, don't do this. Don't get worked right. up. Like he's right. you more. Shoot. You're just going to get more. I will never forget. This is not a sports topic, but my mom, my, my, I'll never forget. Like a few years back, my mom got worked into a shoot by like a political radio guy. And she was mad about something, yeah. some guy on <laughs> WTAM or something like that. And she's like, she like writes a letter, like an email, like she's furious. And I'm like, really mom, I'm like, mom, his job is to do that to you. And like, right. he probably doesn't even believe what he just said on the radio oh, yeah. he but he nope. knows how to get you to do exactly what you're doing so i remember my mom responded to her own email and said like you know i apologize if that was harsh i talked to my son and he said this and the guy just responded your son knows what's going on like he's <laughs> like yeah of course that's what that's what my job is is to work you into a shoot and that's i again just back to baseball for a minute um I think they did a good job. I personally, I think they did a good job. I think uh, uh, there were a lot of good stories with the home run derby. Trey Mancini, that's a great story, man. And the fact that he made it to the finals and you wanted him to win was, you know, coming off of colon cancer and he was hitting bombs too. That yeah. Juan Soto, Juan Soto versus Shohei in the first round, that was a mistake pairing. Shouldn't have done that pairing because Juan Soto was a beast. Uh, yeah. But again, Pete Alonso, his little quirkiness, dancing around, having a great time, just mashing bombs. Like, go get him, Pete Alonso. You're not the best power hitter in baseball, by the way, because once those pitches are no longer coming straight and they're curveballs, you can no longer hit them. But that's what the, yeah, that's what, I mean, and that's. The, the, uh, you talked about the quirkiness. That's what the All-Star game is supposed to be. The All-Star game isn't supposed to mean anything. It's about these guys getting a break right. and having fun. Like, but, but I will say this, though. How awkward. I'm Well, never mind. You didn't watch the game. I was going to say, no, Joey, did you? No. No? I was going to say, I, well, you've probably seen clips. How awkward is this mic talk, like the, the players mic'd up in the field of play? With like Joe yeah. Buck and, and John Smoltz just talking to him in the middle of the play. Like I feel like Joe Buck. It just seems to me like Joe Buck doesn't even know what to do with it. Like, uh, yeah, hey, Fre- hey, Freddie, uh, Freddie Freeman. You know, want to know who you're up against next inning? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, right. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite color? Like I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just, it's so awkward to me. Underrated part of baseball uh, <laughs> All Star Weekend. I love the stupid celebrity softball game. I love oh, God, yeah. the celebrity softball oh, God, game. Yeah. Couple what? things, couple things. Uh, Karamo from uh, uh, like 
Queer Eye on Netflix or whatever, that poor dude made 77 errors in a row. <laughs> he is not good at softball. Uh, yeah. People that were good at softball, there was like a model out there. Uh, I don't know who she was, but she was a model. She like she was great. She like made a pick. Uh, uh, Jojo Siwa is that her name? Oh, she yeah. must have been like a softball player. She comes up and just ropes a double her first at bat, like <laughs> roped it. She was good. And uh, uh, Cece Sabathia looks awesome. Yeah. But, oh yeah. I love I love when they bring in right now. I love when they bring in the other like the actual like Vinny Castillo was like the Rockies legend. And he just yeah. comes up and just crushes a home run. But to this day, <laughs> only one player, only one baseball player has ever participated in the celebrity uh, softball game at All-Star yeah. Weekend and smashed a home run out of the actual ballpark. Who was it? Felix, Felix Fermin. That's not it. That ain't it. Oh, Alex Hef- Cole. It was Travis Hafner. Alex Cole. That was awesome. Hit an actual uh, home run with a softball. That's the most ridiculous thing. Can- Candy Maldonado. Oh, he could have. Kenny Maldonado used to hit bombs. Uh, So anyways, All-Star Weekend has come and gone, and now it's time to get into the second half of the year. Now the Indians have some news. Uh, There was an article written on The Athletic uh, this week about, A, uh, looks like the Indians are getting ready to sign a new lease, uh, and it it appears that they're very close. That's good news. I think think it's been a worry for people. I still think the Indians run their business horrendously, and God, they need to get somebody in there to fix it. But... It uh, looks like they're going to sign a new lease. So I think all the drama and worry about the Indians leaving town can subside. Uh, but it also looks like, and I, I maybe don't give enough credit to this, even though I think the Dolans still just don't spend the money that they have because you can't be worth four and a half billion dollars and like complain about it. But looks like they may be getting another minority owner in. Uh, yeah. I know they're, they're looking to have that done again. And, and, and like I said, maybe I don't give that enough credit because when they did have the guy that eventually left, I don't remember his name, but he eventually left and you went and bought the Kansas City Royals. Mm-hmm. That's when the Indians payroll was one hundred and fifty million dollars. That's right. They had this minority owner in. He was coming in and spending money. Uh, so that could be great news for us Indians fans that uh, and the, the, the owner group that they are looking to bring in is worth 10 times as much as that guy was. Uh, yeah. So that could be awesome. And then lastly, and these are just quick hitter boys, and then you guys can just give me opinions on, on what's going on. Uh, it, it sounds a lot like there could be the new name of the team dropping real soon. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense to stop to do that in the season because they can do some end of the season promo. Um, that's exciting. I don't know. I mean, it's all good. It's all great news for Cleveland. Like, you really are hoping that they sign their lease. You're really hoping that – you know, who knows if the Dolans sold, you know, if the new owner would want to stay in Cleveland or move. Like it's, it's a little tricky when you're at the end of the lease and you're worried about the team being sold. That usually doesn't bode well for the fans. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's exciting that they're staying there and uh, hopefully, um, and hopefully we can bring on a new owner that will help increase the payroll. Maybe that can explain why they've been just slashing it for the past four years. You never know, like you never know who to like believe on things. Right. So there's, there's a couple accounts uh, on Twitter that are claiming to have some inside knowledge of the new team name and like, but you never know who to believe and who's just sitting at their computer making shit up. Uh, sure. And you, you would hope somebody that has thousands of followers doesn't do that, but there's, 
certainly people in Cleveland that are notorious for it. Uh, but uh, they, they, these groups came out today and said, look for the Cleveland gladiators to be the, the next team name. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see if that holds true, but yeah, it is, you know, Joe, I think you hit it right. I think it's exciting. I, you know, there was a lot of concern about this lease coming up in a couple of years and what's going to happen. And again, the only thing that I can say is for the Dolans, if the Dolans own the Indians, they're not going anywhere. The Dolans are a Cleveland. That's a Cleveland family through and through. They're not taking this right. team anywhere. Uh, uh, but with that lease coming up and are they going to sell? Are they not? Uh, it's good to know that they're going to resign. Uh, and then it should be, it makes me excited. Like you said, Joe, it makes me excited. Like, I'm glad we don't have to wait until, you know, like the Washington football team. Now they said they are actually going to come up with like a new, like a logo and a team name. They're not just going to be the Washington football team, but they're like, we're going to do that in like 2023 or 2024. Why, why, why just do it? So I'm, I'm glad the Indians are like, you know what? We said, we're changing the name. We said, we're going to rebrand. So we're going to change the name. We're going to rebrand and we're just going to get it over with. And I, I think that's great. So gives you time to yeah. buy some merch in the off season too. Yeah. And well, it, it allows you to do all that, all that fun shit in the off season, right? Do the yeah. new uniforms and, uh, and all that shit, like kind of like the Browns do in their off season. I mm-hmm. think that's great. Yeah, uh, the name I keep. Uh, oh, go, go ahead. No, I was going to say the name I keep seeing circulating is guardians and which that was my favorite one. Uh, well, one of my favorite ones uh, when, when the, this whole list came out, you know, because it, it's because it's Cleveland. I mean, it has history behind Cleveland, so I think it's I think it's a good name to go. And yeah, you guys are right. That's uh, I mean, there is a lot of things uh, exciting things. You know, if, with, between signing the new lease, bringing on a minority owner, also uh, you know, they're asking the help from the state, the city, the county uh, in renovating Progressive Field. <laughs> so uh, there is a lot of ex- things to get excited about f- uh, from a business standpoint for the Indians. So. Yeah, I think you guys are right on that. Yeah, and again, I, I, it wasn't my favorite. I liked it at first because I, I love the tie-in to the bridge. I think that's cool. Uh, otherwise, I don't know that it became my favorite. I, I really bought into the Foresters. I wish they would have just went with that. And I mean, those I thought, statues are staring yeah. right at the ballpark. Every, oh, everywhere has cool. a forest. Cleveland is, is not the, the center of... Cleveland is the forest city. It is not. Yeah. No, it is. Literally. It's literally the nickname of the city is the Forest City. Yeah, look it up. He's looking it up right now. Yeah, I'm looking it up. Yeah, it is. I- yeah, it is. Yes. I thought that would have been cool. You could have done like a green, uh, like a kind of a theme around green with the uniforms and stuff, which I thought could have been just cool. A, but just a nice hunter green. No, ooh, it's real. Maybe make brown you pants. Could, make it like the trunk of the you tree. Could turn, you could you could turn slider into a nice <laughs> Douglas fur. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, yeah. So anyways, interesting, uh, fun times and, and keep your eyes open. Cause it, it legitimately feels like any day the Indians could just drop, like, here's what we're going to do. Uh, and it feels like it's, it's one of those where there's smoke, there's fire, there's fire moments and there is smoke right now regarding it. So, uh, lastly, before we get out of here, uh, NBA draft coming up soon, Cavs have the third pick, but, uh, there's a lot of shit happening with the Cavs right now. Yeah. There are a lot of rumors. Mm-hmm. Rumor number one, the Cavs yeah. have been in fairly consistent communication with the Detroit Pistons Yeah, about the number one overall pick. Yeah. 
And it appears that the Pistons are at least listening. Yeah. Uh, which, <laughs> but I'm not convinced, right? So, so the, the report is that it appears that the Houston Rockets, who have the number two pick, have told Jalen Green that they are committing to him with the number two pick. Uh-huh. And I'm not like 100% sold that the Cavs don't love him. Uh-huh. And I'm not 100% sure that if the Cavs were to make a deal with Detroit, that it's, I'm not 100% sure that it's for Cade Cunningham. Like yeah. everybody, I know, I know the reputation Cade Cunningham has, but like this Jalen Green dude is a stud too. And I, I'm wondering if that, like the news that the Rockets have made Jalen Green understand that he would be that pick isn't what's making the Cavs look at this. Sure. Sure. I mean, it's draft season. I mean, in any in any draft, there's always a lot of smoke screen. So it could very well be a smoke screen uh, just well, to get the Cavs to move up. Well, and the other thing that's interesting, and, it, and it's all going to pair together. So watch for this stuff to start happening like in the near future. But uh, the Colin Sexton rumors are everywhere. Yeah. The Colin Sexton rumors are everywhere. And, and, and it feels like uh, they said Colin Sexton's camp fully believes that he will be a member of the Cavaliers for the long term. I don't know why that got said because it doesn't right. sound like anybody else thinks that. Uh, but uh, according to um, a lot of different sources, the the New York Knicks appear to really want Colin Sexton. Uh, and so I know uh, one of the things that I saw out there was a package that includes Obi Toppin, Kevin Knox, uh, and a first round pick from the Knicks. Gross. I don't know that I like that at all. I hate it. I, like, I don't, I don't think I like that at all. No. Yeah. That, that, that would be Kobe Altman in, in, in an off season where Kobe Altman needs to start winning some games that would, uh, that type of package, that type of trade would send the Cavs in the opposite direction. So I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't uh, no. If they, if he were able to, if he were taking that package, I would, if he were to take that package, I would say uh, Kobe Altman's days are, number days are uh, just went down a little bit as uh, Cavs GM. <laughs> like, I, I feel like if you're the Knicks and the Cavs reach out to you with that offer, you just are like, yep. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hold on. Let us think right. about it. Right. Yep. We're good. Yep. We talk. Right. I talked yep. to everybody and we're send good with it. Send, a, send the paperwork. And again, I'm not the biggest, like I'm not the biggest Colin Sexton fan, but like, uh, you got to get more than that. Yeah, you got to get enough. more. <laughs> He's good enough to merit something better than that. No, I mean, you have to, you have to like, now the Knicks throwing RJ Barrett in a deal. Yeah. Now we can talk. Right. Like now, now we can talk, but why would the Knicks do that? Like that doesn't make sense. It just very, like, it's very, I just hope that we're not pulling a trigger on this Colin Sexton deal just to do it. Like, no. please don't give me Obi Toppin and Kevin Knox. No, I know. And, what and I said, like what said, would that do for us? Yeah, and I said I think Kobe knows that. I mean, you saw in his postseason uh, postseason uh, press conference that he understands that this is a huge offseason and that they need to start winning games, and winning means something. And you know, like I said, uh, that type of package would take would definitely uh, take the Cavs a step backwards, maybe even two steps backwards, and, and not anywhere closer to winning uh, winning basketball games and becoming a playoff contender. Yeah, I, I uh, again, I, I, it's very fun because I think the Cavs, I think rightly, here's what I like about what's going on this offseason. I think Kobe Altman is looking at this offseason going, 
this team is not building the way I wanted it to. Yeah. This is not the vision like Garland, Sexton, Okoro, uh, Jared Allen. This is not my vision. This isn't what I thought was going to happen. And it's kind of the way it played out because that's how the draft happens sometimes. But like this ain't it. And so one thing that I do like is he's addressing that. And he's going to be like, you know what? Listen, I want Darius Garland. I want Jared Allen. But let's see what else we can do uh, to fix this team along with a top draft pick. And again, that's what they need. That's what they need. Because the team as it is constructed right now, even if you add, uh, I don't know, who would, who would they get if they stayed at number three? Uh, the center from USC. Even if you add him. Evan Mobley. Mobley. Is that, does that make you, is Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Isaac Coro, Evan Mobley, and uh, Jared Allen a playoff team? Nope. I mean, maybe nope. like sneak in at the I mean, end, sure. but that's it. Sure. Like, sure. So they got to get no, this thing fixed it, and squared away. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was having this conversation actually with Bull, our buddy uh, Andy Bull Barks, yep. the other day. I, I said, I, I don't want anybody on this Cavs team who, who, whose attributes, whose positive attributes are missing uh, great scorer, great shooter, can score with the best of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, put, puts the ball in the basket with regularity, like something like that. If, if one of their attributes doesn't include that, I, I don't want them. <laughs> I don't want them. This, this Cavs team needs points. <laughs> I think that's the main priority this offseason. Except for one. Cause I, I, I want Ben Simmons. Okay. Sure. Somebody is going to get that dude and they're going to be very lucky when they do. And I know everybody, uh, everybody's again, it's, it's all about oh. what happened recently. And we've talked about guard. this on the show. Point guard Ben Simmons, yeah. No, okay. don't give me point guard Ben Simmons. <laughs> give me small forward slash into the hoop Ben Simmons and watch him be an all-star for the next 10 years. And right. and that's uh, – so if Colin Sexton could be a part of that deal, that'd be great. Uh, so anyways, yeah, boys, this has been an awesome time. Just incredible uh, on the show with us. A uh, little Indians talk, a little Cavs talk, but we'll we'll get out of here. We'll call it a night. Uh, but we don't call it a night without getting into uh, just our three cheers of the week. Something good that's happened this week. Uh, and Chad, you said you got a good one, so I'll let you lead us off. I mean, I didn't say I have a good one. I just said I had one. <laughs> oh, that's okay, much better mind. than what it normally is. Though. No, it's a good. It's a good one. It's a good one. My <laughs> cheers goes to uh, Candace Parker being the first woman hey, in the hey, NBA hey. 2K22. Video game. So, congrats, Candace Parker, for uh, making history. That was really cool today. That was really, really cool to see. Yeah. Joe, what's your cheer of the week? Not that anyone listening to this podcast gives a shit necessarily, but one of the greatest goaltenders in the past 10 to 15 years retired, Pecorine. Uh, yes. so he you know, he's, he's a Nashville favorite. So, it's kind of sad to see him go. It's definitely time for him, but. Uh, He's a icon here in Nashville, so it would be weird to see the team next year without him behind between the pipes. Man, all right, to, to Mr. Rene down there. That's a those are two good cheers of the week, boys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you know what? I I didn't have a good one. I was struggling to come up with like a good cheer of the week. I had a lot of good things happen this week. A lot of life is good. Everything's good happening, but I didn't necessarily have a cheer of the week. Uh, but you know what? I am gonna. Uh, what do I want to cheers? I don't have one off the top of my head. It's killing me. Oh my God. Lord, I know. I'm, I'm always going. If only you knew we were going to do this. I know. What an asshole. 
Who are, are you, you, Chad? I am. I'm. I'm. I'm the worst when it comes. I'll to add this. one in. I'll add one Go in ahead. while you're thinking of one. Uh, I'll add another cheer. Uh, cheers to existing in bars. Oh, yeah. Oh, actually, if you guys that. could just do this for a while, yeah, that would be <laughs> great. Okay, just here we go. Existing uh, in bars. Just existing in bars. <laughs> yes, I like it. Man, I don't know. I, I just everything going on with me right now is all family, and so uh, I'm just cheers in the family. I've got. I got a I got a cousin that's building a house uh, out at put or at Kelly's Island, so I'm really excited for that. We're gonna hang out there. Uh, we went to a, a party for a cousin that's getting married. Uh, we my sister's in town, so we're going to Detroit this weekend to hang out, and Columbus next weekend. I just we, there's a lot of to me. It's just family time, so I'm just gonna cheers family time because that's my whole life right now is revolving around family time, and frankly, it's wonderful. <laughs> so we're just cheers that? family time. You see that? Those Fast and the Furious memes going around, family. <laughs> like you see those things going around. <laughs> family. family. That's what it's like cheers to. Family. <laughs> uh, so listen, those are our three cheers. If you got a good cheers you want to share with us, get onto our socials at the Garage Beers all over the place. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, check out the inter- interview with Justin Credible, aka real name PJ Polacco, uh, on YouTube. You'll find the video there. Uh, but that's gonna do it for us. Uh couple things we got to get done before we get out of here. First of all, garagebeershop.com. Uh, get over and make some orders. we got a couple more orders coming through, uh, sending out some stuff. Hat. We're almost out of hats, but we will reorder. Uh, so if you ever see anything that's, uh, that's out, we will restock. Don't worry about it. But get over to garagebeershop.com. Pick up a hat. Pick up a shirt. They are awesome. Uh uh, the thank yous that we've got to send out. First of all, thank you to Belly Up Sports, our podcast network host. Go check out Belly Up Sports. Uh, thank you to PJ Polacco at PJ Polacco on his social media, Instagram and, and Twitter. Uh, you know him as just incredible. What a great interview that was. We really appreciate him coming on. And as always, our biggest thank you every week goes out to you, the listener. So hope you enjoyed episode 73. Until next week, episode 74. We'll see you later. Cheers, everybody. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired their personal trainer as a caterer. All right, folks, let's keep this line moving. You there with the tongs. Picking up one Dutch's potato at a time will not cut it at my catering table. Drop and give me 50. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Okay, this is what we call the wild mushroom and asparagus dip, dip, and press. Come on, let's get those plates above your heads. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today.